Welcome back to another Buzz on Business podcast episode. This is Rachel Brown, and I am really thrilled to have our episode guest with me, Louis LaCarbonara. Thank you for having me, Rachel. I am really, really excited to get into talking about your experience at OSU and starting a business. You're one of our younger entrepreneurs, and you're actually in town, luckily, to do an in-person podcast because tomorrow, at the time of this recording, we are honoring you with one of our Cowboy 100. Well, I better be number one, or else I'm asking for a refund, all right? <laughs> It'll be a great event no matter what. Um, we're super excited. But Lewis, like, help us get to know you a little bit. Where are you from? Well, How'd you get to OSU? Yeah, thank you for having me. You know, I haven't been to Stillwater in, uh, in a few years. It missed you. Uh, yeah, I missed it definitely. It's it's always back in my head, especially around you know, football time, you know, and especially with everything that's gone with the basketball mm-hmm. season. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially yesterday. So uh, Stillwater is always near and dear to my heart, and Orange is worn by me a lot. So Good. We love always, to hear that. Uh, always a proud... Uh, I mean, Stillwater resident, even though I don't really live here. Uh, well, I'm you know born and raised in White Plains, New York, which is about 25 minutes outside uh, Manhattan. I was born, you know, I'm an, I'm an Italian. You know, entire family's Italian, family person, and you know, I've basically worked all my life. You know, I've worked since I was like a 10, 11 years old in my family's pizzeria. I was always, you know, thrown basically into the work life. So that's where my you know early love for entrepreneurship and wanting to be my you know own boss really came from. You know, growing up, I kind of did that whole, you know, the hustle mentality thing, the lemonade stands. I sold, you know, candy and soda and, and sticks of gum and in and, and school. Uh, made good money doing that. When I was uh, working at my family's pizzeria with my uh, my two uncles, where I really got a, broke out of my shell and kind of got into that business lifestyle. And, you know, working from there from 10, 11, all the way up until coming here in 2011, uh, I learned everything. I mean, they taught me everything. They taught me stuff I shouldn't have learned. They, you know, they really taught me that you have to work now, play letter mentality. And while I also worked at the pizza, I also worked at catering holes as well with my dad, just a, a work-oriented person. And, you know, when looking at colleges, it had, you know, number one, it had to have entrepreneurship. Growing up, I've always been a Syracuse fan. Um, and my high school was always orange too. So I wanted a school that was orange. And, you know, looking at Syracuse, it was somewhere I really wanted to go. And, you know, at the time, um, basically like a family friend uncle is uh, Scott Brooks of the then was the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he was out here and he suggested, you know, Oklahoma State. He says, take a look at first. He said, oh, you and, and Oklahoma State and just having me Oklahoma State had a good entrepreneurship program. And at that time, it was, you know, not the beginning stages, but they've been a couple of years getting into it. And, you know, I said, okay, we'll add it to the list, we'll add it to the top 10. And while I was also a Thunder fan since he was the coach and, and I was, you know, wearing the gear and stuff, I said, oh, maybe this is an option. And, you know, I visited all the schools that I visited. I visited Syracuse. I loved it. I visited Temple. It was okay. And then I, you know, I remember applying uh, for Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State happened to be the first school that accepted me. And it was right before Thanksgiving. It was the, probably like the, I was like the first person in my senior class to get accepted to college. It was so quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is Blackberry days. And I remember I was in class, I pulled my Blackberry, <laughs> and I saw the email, and I thought it was like a spam email. And I remember calling my mom after class, and I was like, I think I got accepted into college. And she's like, started laughing. She's like, oh, it's probably one of those welcome, like, welcome, you know, apply things. I'm like, oh, maybe. And then when we went home, I was like, no, I actually got accepted into college. And, you know, Oklahoma State, I guess that was the moment I was like, wow, this school is legit. Like, this is somewhere maybe I consider going. And so we ended up uh, taking a family trip in January. And that day was like the day after the big ice storm. But 
that next day, it was so beautiful. I fell in love with Stillwater. And I says, okay, this is where I'm going to go. This is this is the school. Got all the gear. And then that night, too, it just happened to be fitting that the Thunder playing the Knicks. Kevin Durant hit a game winner over Danilo Gallinari. And I says, it's how fitting is that Oklahoma City is being the New York Knicks? It has to be Oklahoma. There you go. And I says, you know what? I'm going to come here. And my my goal, well, my dream was to, you know, get into the pizza business, follow the steps of my grandfather, and open a pizzeria in Stillwater, Oklahoma, bring New York-style Italian pizza to Stillwater, which is still very much overdue, and kind of just marry a farmer girl and live happily ever after out here. And things took a, a big turn, you know, going into my junior year where... Well, I was taking entrepreneurship classes the first couple of years. Uh, going to my junior year, I needed to, uh, you know, make some extra money while I was bringing my car down. My mom was like, "Oh, you got to get a job to pay for gas." Yada yada yada. Yeah, and that hustle you had as a high school student just yeah, doesn't go I away. I, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't hustle candy and soda on campus. <laughs> so I actually had to do something legit. Um, and I wasn't gonna be a bartender. I wasn't gonna, you know, be a waiter. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. I feel like I was going backwards. You know, of course I could have done it for you know a couple of months, but just not who I was at the time. And I didn't see any value in doing so. So um, I remember just kind of casually, um, you know, going on YouTube, and I came across this like ten-year-old selling these sneakers from like a beater box. And I was just like, "Wait, what? Like, what's this? This kid's saying I'm making like five hundred dollars after I sell everything, and yada yada yada." I'm like, "Like, okay, wait, something, something's up here." And I kept researching, and I remember uh, the the day I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna do this." Was I was actually in Cyprus for a wedding and I was sick in the hotel room and Cyprus was beautiful. So the irony of me being in the hotel room, <laughs> that's so sad. Uh, it was very sad, <laughs> but I was on my iPad and I watched his, this kid's newest video. And I was just, I threw the iPad down. I remember I was like, had a headache. I was like, sort throwing everything. I said, this is what I'm going to do. And so I came back and when I got back um, to Stillwater, I drove my car down. I spent a thousand dollars, my own money up front. I bought these uh, beater boxes from the store in California. Um, and I was like, made sure I got my size just in case. If it didn't work out, at least I had a fire collection because I, I had literally zero knowledge of selling anything. All I knew was just what this 10-year-old on YouTube was telling me. And so I ended up just start casually selling. I was selling through Instagram. I was just trying to, I was like, oh, eBay. And eBay didn't work out. I was just trying to find sellers through Instagram. And I was making a couple hundred dollars. And I was like, okay, let me buy the next box. And so I remember being in, you know, basically class, just buying boxes and, doing market research in class and I was making decent money and I was okay, this is something here. And I, and going into Thanksgiving break, I remember being home and I was like, okay, I can't, I can't just rely on this store to, to focus on getting the product. I have to create my own Instagram. I have to create my own image, my own brand and focus on buying stuff from the people. So skip that middleman. And so on black Friday, I think it was what 2013, it would have been, I created the direct kicks Instagram page and I remember that was when I fully went right to buying stuff from people. So I would post things saying, okay, if you're looking for quick cash, text me, I'll cash you out. I want your used sneakers. I only wanted to focus on used because at the time, a lot of these stores were focusing on brand new. And I says, okay, if they're focused on brand new, I got to do used. I got to do the beat up shoes, flip them, clean them, and then flip them for a little bit more and then kind of keep it rolling. So I did that and I, you know, throughout my junior year, kept doing it and then went home into that summer focused on doing it more, 
not not fully knowing that this was something I was going to do after graduation still. Right. So so junior year, you kind of spot this opportunity. You decide to start going towards it. You you can, you can find even the niche that's not being addressed, the used shoes. You're an entrepreneurship major, so you've been in the classes, come back your senior year. And this was kind of like a golden era, I think, of for our, our program. We had a lot of really cool companies like R2R Technologies, Billy Goat Ice Cream was here, Max Q, Life Out of the Box, which you mentioned, Quinn and Jonathan. And now you're kind of coming in. So How'd you get involved with the Riata Center and what we were doing at the time, the Startup Center, and talk more about your experience with that whole community? So I completely agree. And, and even driving here this morning, that was out of my, like in my mind, I said this, it was the golden age mm-hmm. of the Riata Center and, and School of Entrepreneurship. Doesn't mean we can't find another golden age, but that was those times were it was simpler times. It was great times. But I remember my first like time going into the Riata Center, obviously, you know, when you visit and stuff like that. But I remember um, that my junior year, I wanted to apply for the uh, business plan competition. And I remember going to the Riata Center and they, like, they're like, oh yeah, it's this day, but like you have to come back. And then I went and I'll come back and like they ended up didn't have it that year. Oh man. And so I was kind of bummed. And then, you know, I remember I was in uh, Richard Gajan's class for my junior year, the second semester in the business plan class. And so, you know, when he saw that I was selling shoes, he was kind of blown away because when I first met him in the intro class, I was telling him I want to do pizza. So me and him always had a great, you know, relationship where he was just like, wow, we, you know, sit and talk about it. And, and I'd be in his class, like looking up prices and trying to buy stuff. He was amazed at that. So I remember before I left for my junior year, me and him, you know, I met in his office and we were just chatting. I was like, yeah, we'll see you after summer. And he says, listen, like when you come back, make sure you come see me because there's going to be the student startup center and you, you know, would love to have you involved in it. And so I said, okay, yeah. So when I got back to Stillwater for my senior year, um, I had officially moved off campus. So I was living with some of my boys and I had all my shoes in the living room. I was planning on you know, operating out of there. And so when I went to uh, meet with Richard, um, he, you know, in the student startup center, he goes, yeah, this is uh, the student startup and you know, we want you to be a part of it. Like you would come to the meetings every other Wednesday. You'd be with other well-minded you know, minded entrepreneurships. And, and I was at the time I was like, you know, yeah, that's cool. It's just wasting my time. You know, the stubbornness in me is like, I gotta sell shoes. I gotta be, gotta be with my product. I can't come here and work if I don't have my product. It makes no sense for me to try to sell a shoe if I can't look at it. And how am I gonna clean shoes and this and that? It just it doesn't work like that. And Richard's like, no, I think you should think about it. You should still join and come to the meeting and say, all right, all right, all right, all right, whatever. And so, you know, I ended up going to the meetings and I remember after like the first meeting. Um, I was just kind of there, but I wasn't like mentally there. I was just always thinking about how I could, you know, make more money. And I don't even know what we talked about the first meeting, but I remember when it ended, I was just trying to get out of there as quick as possible. I had to get <laughs> home and I make money. And before I was able to go out, um, Jonathan Button from Life Out of the Box stopped me. And he was like, what's up, dude? And I was like, hey. And he goes, he goes I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of yours. And you can't tell a New Yorker, especially an Italian New Yorker, like you're a big fan because my ego gets high. <laughs> and so at this time, I'm like, wow, I got a fan out here. Like I'm thinking, I'm, I'm Mr. You know, Mr. Rico Suave over here. Like I got fans. Hot shot. <laughs> and you know, he was like, oh yeah, like I love what you do. You should come around here more for me. Yeah, no problem, pal. I'm thinking I'm gonna sign an autograph for him or something. And so whatever, I ended up leaving. And then two weeks later, uh, the next meeting after the meeting, he comes up to me again. He goes, yo. Hey man, glad to see you again. I'm like, yeah, you know, this guy's this guy's gonna be a ball breaker. Is, he gonna, is this guy obsessed? What was he doing? And he goes, oh, I want you to meet my uh, girlfriend, Quinn. We have a business, and so he takes me to their back office. I meet Quinn, and we just start chatting, all three of us. And they say they're from California, and I was like, oh wow, like from New York. And we just had that instant click, 
And they're like, dude, you have to come here more. We need people like you here. We want someone like you because we like we see it in you. And they kind of got me to kind of hang out there a little bit, you know. And it just made sense since they were from Cali, came to Oklahoma, middle of the country. I'm from New York, came to the middle of the country. Like it just had that we had that connection, and we all all three of us clicked. So I ended up, you know, starting to come more often, just hang out with them, I do a little work, whatever. And then it wasn't until the school came to me and was like, okay, you could possibly get an office. I get my own office yeah. and, and the student stop. I was like, wow. Big time. I was like, oh, this would be nice. <laughs> this would be a nice thing. And so they're like, yeah, like you just have to be legit. So I remember two key things that were going to happen. It was the one thing was um, homecoming weekend that year. They had Malone Mitchell and all the alum coming for a big board meeting. And to kind of, you know, because obviously Malone Mitchell put a lot of money into that that building and and put a lot into the business center, especially entrepreneurship, where I guess he wanted to be validated and say, make sure his money's going to where somewhere it's something good. And so uh, all these other alum were coming. I didn't know who Malone Mitchell was at the time. I didn't know what he looked like. I just knew his name. And they said, oh, this is going to be the most important like speech of your life, essentially. And, and yeah, no pressure. They, they're like, you have to memorize. Like three days, I had a memorized thing. You're going to, you, and it was like me. I think it was like Billy Goat. It was uh, Quinn Jonathan. It was a couple other people that were going to do the, the, you know, explain what they were doing. And I think I was an only undergrad possibly at that time. So I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Okay, I got this, you know? And so I remember, uh, you know, trying to memorize a speech. And, you know, I, I wrote it out, tried to do what I had to do. And got, wore like a suit or a nice polo that day. Walked into that boardroom and didn't realize there's going to be this many people. And I, I'm okay with public speaking. It just comes down to I know the room. And at this point, I knew only like... The, you know, professors like Barringer and then Quinn Jonathan and yeah. you know, few other, More intimidating. And no one else. I was like, wow. And I forgot every single word of the speech I had oh, memorized. No. And all I remember is having this like pair of Jordans that had to be painted. And I just started going straight New York on everybody. And it was that, that moment when I, when I had control of the room, that was one of the moments I said, okay, this is something that I have legit. I remember then realizing who Malone Mitchell was. He was the guy right in front of me. I said, okay, we're good here. We're golden. I got him to laugh a little bit. We're good to go. And then it was the week after when I had the uh, in-person interview with Misty, Rachel, and I forget who else for the office position. They got accepted. I wasn't surprised that I got accepted. I knew I was going to get accepted. I got my own office. And then when I got my own office, that's when it became a little essentially a pop-up. And that's when I was able to kind of grind to kind of keep you know flowing a little bit and kind of take things to the next level. And the minute I got the key to that building was day, I guess my life changed because I was spending 15 to 18 hours a day, no matter what day of the week it was. I was cutting classes to stay in there. I told teachers too, I said, you know, if I'm not in class, I'm in my office, you know, and, and they knew that, you know. And so I remember Tracy Suter, um, I forget which class it was. He, uh, you know, he was his first semester there. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm in your class. I think you're a good guy. I think you're a good teacher. I says, what you're teaching, I'm doing. I'm going to be in my office. If I'm not here, <laughs> you know what I'm doing. And he understood it, and he's someone who still understands it because he's, even though he was a professor of mine, he's purchased sneakers off my website, which is <laughs> one of the best feelings in the world. That's and, awesome. And I know he's, uh, I think, I forget where he is now. I think he's in Tulsa or somewhere, and maybe Kansas, I don't know, somewhere, but I, I know he's got the direct kicks hoodie that he's rocking to. So 
uh, you know, the, once I got my office, it was game over. And yeah, that's so great. I mean, you, you really get plugged in. You have this community instantly. Yeah. Jonathan Quinn, especially, which I adore. They're awesome. They stayed a little longer. I think you and I just missed each other. I came in in 2016 and you left yeah. in 2015, but they stayed for uh, PhDs. So I got to hang out with them a little bit. But so it really starts taking off. You're spending a ton of time on direct kicks your senior year, but then you graduate and you decide to take this back to New York with you and actually open up a storefront. So, you know, the hardest decision I made was, do I stay or do I go, right? Do I stay and possibly get my master's uh, where I, I was prepared to, you know, if I had to do that route and still work on the business? Because you got to understand at this time too, sneakers, it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. I was ahead of the curve in terms of Oklahoma. In Oklahoma now, there's so many stores. Had I opened something in maybe Oklahoma City, I could have probably done very well. I might, who knows? I could be bigger than what I am. I, we don't know. But, you know... I said if I want to take things to the next level and really grow, I had to go back home. And I was homesick too. Uh, I think it was the best move for me at that time. Um, and I don't regret it. And But I do wish maybe I would have stayed a little bit extra. Just I think I was a little too raw still. I still had a lot to learn uh, because I didn't. it took me still a little bit over a year to open the store. Uh, we opened the store in uh, October 2016. And so it's been five years in the village of Mamaronek. Uh, and now with a second store in the Westchester Mall in White Plains. That's awesome. So you guys have been growing in your locations in New York. And I know you're a multi-entrepreneur now. So you've started other businesses. You're just always finding opportunities so that the sneakers have taken off. You've got a great team. And you even started other businesses in, in Pokemon. Is that yeah. right? So, um, <laughs> you know, just to go into the my team first, like I think the biggest thing in business, especially for what I've done and with Direct Kicks is, we have a lot of personalities and we have a strong team that where everyone, we all think alike. We all know what the goal is and we all, we're all, we all hang out with each other, not just at work. And I think that's one of the most important things. Uh, while I don't want to say we're all like friends where, you know, you don't, and then sometimes we all, you're not supposed to work with friends. Like obviously we're more than friends, we're all brothers. And, and so without my team, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, but now when we get into Pokemon, my, my new business, I mean, people are going to listen to this, probably laugh and be like, what? Um, I started this in February. I mean, I, I was during COVID during quarantine, I was getting, tapping into the Pokemon market. I saw a potential. I saw people making some money doing it. And I was, I was maybe a little jealous of that. I said, wow, this is something, you know, I grew up. I mean, I still like the games. I mean, I think we, everyone's played the games. Everyone played Pokemon Go. You know, this is four, basically four or five years after the Pokemon Go big boom. Um, I said, okay, maybe there's something here. And so I casually would uh, just tap into the markets in my free time and kind of see what's selling, what's the hype. Joined all the Facebook groups, kind of tapped in to see what people really want, like like in the community of Pokemon. And I said, okay, yeah, this is something I could do. I mean, it's, it seems like right up my alley. And I remember just buying, you know, buying some slabs. And at this time when I really got into it, I knew that the 25th anniversary was going to be 2021. So that was one of the big key factors. And then in October, I think October 2020, Logan Paul was going to buy a first edition booster box and do a live stream off that. So I knew the just the magnitude of his following and him being the biggest YouTuber and, and what he could do for the Pokemon market. I knew there's a potential to make some money. I remember buying a PSA 9 Charizard maybe two weeks before he did his live break, like $750, $800. Bucks. And then a couple of days after he did the break, it was up to $1,800. So I knew that was a proof of... He just got a bunch of people into it, and I had to take advantage. And so I started just casually flipping some stuff, buying raw cards and grading them, and 
and trying to you know offer sneakers for Pokemon, try to mix it up a little bit. And I was we were getting people to come in buy vintage packs, and they were selling vintage packs and training for sneakers. So it was good. We made some good money doing so. Uh, but it wasn't until February where I really thought of the idea of doing a subscription membership site strictly for Pokemon. And I've tapped into the sneaker um, subscription model before. Unfortunately, it didn't you know it didn't pave out. Uh, we were just selling too much where we couldn't put it to the subscription site for our members. Uh, but I did follow a bunch of subscription sites for sneakers, one being called, I guess, Soul Steals. And I said, okay, Soul, I said, it's a Pokey Steals. I says, there's no, there's no shot that Pokey Steals is available. Pokeysteals.com and the Instagram. I said, there's no way. It can't be. It's impossible. And I remember going to GoDaddy.com. And I, I can still picture that night sitting down and like it, it's slow motion in my head right now. P-O-K-E-S-T-E-A-L-S.com and clicking enter. It was like the longest startup ever. And it said available. It was like $11 a month. Yes. And I was just like, <laughs> and I remember buying that. I remember buying thepokesteals.com. I bought whatever domains I could that were associated with it. And I went to the Instagram. Unfortunately, I can't get Pokesteals, because, but no one owns Pokesteals. It's weird. But I have the Pokesteals. Uh, but I think I'm I have, I'm going to be owning Pokesteals very soon. That'd be That's going to be very good. Um, and at the time, I was, okay, thepokesteals, pokesteals.com, email, good. I said, now I got to start the day. So... I contacted uh, one, you know, one of my buddies who, you know, I've known him for seven years. He, you know, was getting ready to graduate uh, college, and I said, "Listen, I says you can get product. I says I can handle the back end, the business side of it. You worry about the product." I says, "You ready to make some money?" And he says, "Yeah." I says, "This is what we're doing." And I mean, we've grown this thing to where we just hit ten thousand uh, TikTok followers. We're about to, we're at like ninety five hundred on Instagram, Twitter is whatever, but um, YouTube we got a, a couple thousand. Uh, we've got a good amount of members. And so we're basically banking off subscriptions. We're, we're allowing members to get product, which is so hard to get nowadays just with the boom and, and how everything is. And not even just giving you know current product, we're giving older stuff and we're doing tons of giveaways in between as well. So we really built a, uh, like a crazy community of uh, supporters, of people that really rock with us to the, the end of time. And it's only the beginning for that. And, and as we approach Black Friday, for even not just pokey pokey steals, but for also direct kicks, this is the best time of the year. It's the busiest time of the year, and for the amount of product we're gonna sell that these members and you know these customers are gonna be get, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun times. Not just for them, but for also you know I guess if they have kids or for their families too to get the perfect gift. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, it sounds like so much success with the direct kicks and pokey steals. But you even kind of mentioned with attempting, you know, something with a subscription sneaker thing. I'm sure there's been a lot of tried and failed ideas course, along the ways. Of like, course. but that's just the process of being an entrepreneur, but like enlighten us a little more to what that's been like for you. Cause it's not all sunshine and so, rainbows. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as, as great as it is the, like the success and having all this great things, I mean, there's tons of times where it's like failure and, and the struggles. I mean, there's times where, you know, the sales are, aren't outweighing, you know, what you're buying. And so, you know, I remember there was like a 12 week span where we were just burning cash, buying product and, and, you know, there was no, not as much money coming in. And so, it comes down to as as a leader, I have to sit down to the team and say, "Listen, we have to switch this. What are we doing wrong? Like, what are we messing up on? We're obviously buying good stuff, but we're not selling enough of it. We're just stocking up for what? There's no no point to it. While all the great things, you know, business are great. You know, when when you're making money, it's great, and you see the success, and you see people recognizing the success, and people are hating on you because of the success. It's great. You, know, you also do get to a point where there's also a lot of you know failures and there's a lot of times where things get down i mean there's times when you know for direct kicks we're buying shoes and and what we're buying is is outweighing what we're getting in and so 
remember there being like a 12 week span where we were just like burning cash left and right. And it got to a point where as a leader, I had to sit there and say, guys, listen, we have to start selling more. You know, we can't let this go on. I says that we have to sell, sell, sell. And so it's just about realizing what at that time and then kind of, you know, flipping a switch. Um, and then you know, in between, there's also a lot of other opportunities, a lot of, you know, other businesses we try to do or ideas we try to do to you know, get engagement, this and that. And, you know, there's also stuff that I guess we get affected by that's out of our control. So, I mean, basically two months ago, September 1st, we, you know, Hurricane Ida or whatever hurricane was called, um, hit Mamarinic pretty bad. And uh, we lost over $150,000 in inventory supplies. Um, we got wiped out in the blink of an eye. Um, and while, you know, everyone's going to be quick to say, oh, insurance, oh, you didn't prepare for this. Well, listen, no one's got flood insurance where I was. I mean, we weren't in a flood zone. Now we are. Um, oh, well, FEMA, I said FEMA doesn't take care of businesses. They put they, they put you to the SBA. And so while I'll be able to get something through SBA, it doesn't, you know, it's not nearly enough. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough. But at the time, um, I looked at it as a, you know, just a little obstacle. We had the the new location, the Westchester Mall opening. Uh, which was good. Luckily, we had that. Uh, but you know, with the flood, I had to I had to go to the, gather the troops and say, guys, listen, uh, we're all upset. We all lost stuff. I mean, there's stuff we lost. We might not know what we lost until you actually need it. You know, uh, while everything got wiped out, you don't realize how strong water is. We have to kind of double down right now. We have another store we're working on. We'll bounce back from this. Uh, I mean, the the hardest part with uh with something like that, it's not that you know you lose everything and having to get it back. It's the fact that we got hit and we couldn't do anything afterwards about it. And so, you know, we got tons of support. Lots of people came to us and say, oh, yeah, I'll give you help, but we couldn't do nothing. We were supposed to go, you know, we were go swim and, and look underneath and find the shoes. I mean, we had shoes that, you know, were worth a couple thousand just destroyed. And so that was a painful thing when we had to, uh, you know, just kind of had like watch the you know company come in and clean out the basement. Even shoes that we tried to save, that we ended up having up top, were just too wet, and then we had to throw them in garbage bales and and, and just toss them, you know. And and people are gonna say, oh, you could donate. I'm not donating a shoe that has a uh, you know possible asbestos and mold oh, no. and algae on it. I mean, <laughs> I don't need some uh, homeless yeah. guy wearing a shoe and then he's you know mutating, growing a third leg. We don't need none of that. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's tough in those situations. Um, it's been a little over two months now, uh, still feels surreal. It still feels like a nightmare, but got to keep moving forward and anything in life, you got to keep trucking in. That's it. You know, can't stop, won't stop, you know, let's lock it in and, you know, down, but never out. Yeah. Well, on a brighter note, you are in town in Stillwater again, finally, after too many years for our Cowboy 100 event, which we're really excited because it's the first year we've ever held this. It's going to be a big fancy gala, suits and ties, really fun. Um, but we're really just celebrating and honoring graduates from OSU who are leading and starting companies that are doing really well. And so you are one of our honorees. And tomorrow night, we have the big reveal of where you fall on the list. But we're so excited to have you here for that event. But whenever we first reached out to you and told you that you had been nominated, like, what did you think of it? Did you think it was a scam or were you excited? So, you know, obviously I'm excited. So anything, you know, unfortunately I wasn't able to come for the 10-year the Riata Center thing, which is something I wish I could have. I think at the time I just had another, another obligation. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come out for this, uh, for two days out here. Well, you know, it's, a, it's hard for me now. Uh, to come longer than a couple of days, and and had there been no flood, things have been a lot easier. Um, 
you know, it's I'm excited. It's 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 kind of cool to be back, and I you know after this, I can't wait just kind of walk the campus. Um, definitely going to the union, spend some spending some money on some uh, new merch <laughs> and stuff. But um, it's great just to see the vibe of everything, and it, it really, I mean, I've you know seen the new business building once, but I really haven't been inside any of the classrooms or where we are right now. So to kind of you know to see it firsthand and feel like a student again is always great. Uh, but I'm excited to kind of you know see who's at this event tomorrow. Um, I know it's going to be, I'm very humbled and, you know, to be a part of a great, you know, great school and a great, uh, business center and great entrepreneurship program. And I'm excited to see everyone tomorrow. And I know how hungry it's going to make me because I, you know, I'm going to see other people, you know, making money and I'm going to want to get right back to work. And so it's these two days that I'm here in Stillwater, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be good for me mentally and emotionally as well. Um, and I can't wait just, you know, carry this on through the next couple of months and, and then come back to still one when things, you know, a little more calm, you know? Oh, man, hearing you talk like that just makes me more excited, but I love to hear that. Um, we have one thing as we wrap up the podcast. We have a little thing called the lightning round. This is just like a really quick back and forth questions. Should be pretty easy, but just some kind of some fun questions to help us get to know you again as we wrap up the podcast. Okay, so what's the favorite pair of sneakers that you own? Uh, Air Jordan 1 Shattered Backboards, basically all orange and black. So oh, I guess we the, love that. the alum listener that I am. <laughs> Go Pokes. If you want a pair, it's, it costs a couple thousand, but uh, it's a good pair. What is the most expensive pair of sneakers that you've sold? Uh, that we've sold? Um, it's tough to say. Probably a few thousand, four or five thousand. Wow. You know, it's 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 tough to say because the, the market is always trading. So what I could have sure. has changed, I mean, so if I sold it, it could be worth a lot more. I know there's a few pairs. There's a few like 94 Jordan 1s that we sold. Uh, like two, I just got the, the snap history the other day. So two years ago, I sold it. And I think we sold for like fifteen hundred. That right now is probably looking like triple or quadruple that. So it's a really nice pair of shoes. <laughs> okay, Oklahoma or New York sunsets? Oh, Oklahoma, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen my fair share of good ones. I mean, in New York, you don't really see a sunset. Mm-hmm. It's really too tough. many buildings. You know, it's just only I feel like in New York, I only see them when you're driving. You know, so you can't you know really appreciate them. But in Oklahoma, I mean. I feel like you come out of, half the time you come out of class, you're like, wow, look at that. Yeah. Hopefully you get to catch a good sunset over campus while yeah, you're let's, here. Let's, let's hope, you know. All right. I have, I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, but what's the best thing to eat in New York? Oh, uh, pizza, 100%. Pizza? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the I mean, right pizza. It's, it's so, so pizza, like it depends on the pizza. I mean, we, I can go into a whole other <laughs> hour about this. I mean, a my, pizza podcast. In, t- in 10th grade, I went um, for the speech class. My 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 debate thing was New York versus Chicago style oh. pizza. I got very I got an A in that class because of that. Uh, but New York pizza and then uh, homemade chicken cutlets would be the Ooh, would all be right, the go to. Right, good. What do you miss most about Oklahoma? Um, I guess maybe like just the people and just the 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 culture. I mean, there's not. I mean, obviously, I don't love everything about Oklahoma. I mean, we don't like Norman out there, but <laughs> um, but I think in Stillwater, it's it's kind of cool. The little slow, it's a little slower pace, obviously. Versus New York. New York is hectic, but I, just the, the people and just the, you know, the atmosphere. All right. Last one of our lightning round questions. How many pair of sneakers do you own? Uh, right now, I'm probably sitting in like the 50s. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm trying to cut down. It's <laughs> it's tough because I do wear most of my uh, pairs, uh, but I don't wear them all. Like a lot of as room much in your as closet. Yeah, but I know there's people with like 500, 600 pairs. So oh I'm, I'm on the lower end. I don't <laughs> want people to come start judging me. I only have 50, you know? <laughs> That's, that's reasonable. Very yeah, fair. It's a, it's a decent number. Well, know. Lewis, thank you so much for being on the no, podcast. I really loved this conversation. Um, drop your socials so we know how to keep in touch with you and continue to follow your success. We're located in the village of Mamaronic, new store coming soon. 
And then we're looking in the Westchester Mall in White Plains, New York. Just type the Westchester Mall. I don't know the address of it. Uh, website is www.directkicks.com. Instagram is directkicks. Um, and that's pretty much it. We don't really use Twitter or, you know, TikTok and all that. And if you guys are interested in Pokemon, you can follow the PokeSeals on Instagram. It's pokeseals.com. And wherever Direct Kicks goes, PokeSeals goes because they operate at the same uh, location. So Awesome. Well, thanks again so much, oh, Lewis. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, go Pokes.